from the Times of Northwest Indiana and nwi.com slash podcasts, you're listening to Byline, the podcast about the newspaper's most fascinating stories and the reporters who tell them. I'm Kale Wilk, and this week Byline examines how Gary is trying to reshape its image. We'll talk with reporters constantly writing on crime in the region. I mean, it's just uh, you have to really be able to multitask, I guess, because you have to be constantly paying attention. As well as a woman wanting to see her city change. We are just like everyone else. That they feel just as safe in their community as any other community. So that is honestly my absolute hope, is that our children um, and our residents feel the exact same safety. Gary, Indiana. What a wonderful name. Named for Albert Gary of judiciary fame. Gary, Indiana, as a Shakespeare would say, trips along softly on the tongue this way. Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana, Gary, Indiana. Let me say it once again. Perhaps this bit here sounds familiar, but it's Robert Preston as Harold Hill singing Gary, Indiana from the classic 1960s movie, The Music Man. He speaks highly of the city in the song. But Harold Hill's concept of the city might have been different than it is today. It's kind of quiet. This is some audio from just standing in the main downtown portion of Gary on a block of Broadway Avenue in between 4th and 5th Avenues. Around there, there's City Hall, Lake County Superior Court, the Genesis Convention Center, the Gary South Shore Railcats Baseball Stadium, and the looming behemoth that is U.S. Steel Gary Works. There's almost not a soul walking around, just the cars passing by on these main avenues. It's not like this is new. But it's something people have wanted to change for a long time. And that's what we're going to touch on in this episode. But first we're going to sidestep to this week's reporters for a bit. And they are... Sarah Reese, staff writer for The Times. Lauren Cross, breaking news reporter on the night shift at The Times. Yes, that's right. The dynamic duo of Sarah Reese and Lauren Cross have once again been brought back in for Byline. And for once, it's not about the East Chicago leg crisis. Today, it looks at the function that takes up most of their time, covering crime and breaking news. Hey, uh, Lieutenant Hoyda, this is uh, Lauren Cross from the Times. Uh, We received a tip tonight about a serious possible fatal accident at Michigan Street and and Manhattan. This is some older audio that's been featured on Byline before of Lauren doing just that. Typically during the week, Sarah is in the newsroom at 6 a.m., reading releases and following up on reports from that day, or the previous ones to write up the various crime and breaking news bits that happen around the region. And then in the afternoon at about 2 p.m., the baton gets handed off to Lauren, or whoever else might be the night reporter that day, who does much of the same. Should a major event happen, they'll go out to the scene to report on it. It's a vital and classic function of the newspaper to do this job. I mean, it's just uh, you have to really be able to multitask, I guess, because you have to be constantly paying attention to things that are happening, you know, on the scanner, following up on things. In the morning, I spend a lot of time going through uh, a list of calls for service from different departments, um, you know, creating lists of case numbers that I want to request uh, more information about. Um, trying to follow up on anything that maybe came in last night, but we couldn't contact any 
police officials to confirm things. I think it's a really close working relationship with Sarah. Um, she's been here 10 years. I've been here a little under one year. Uh, you know, so we just are really communicating throughout the day of what's going on, you know, even uh, before I'm heading into work, because you always want to know what you're going into. But occasionally the two do a larger piece. Recently, they did just that. At the beginning of the year, the various police departments gathered and released annual crime statistics. Sarah and Lauren, being the great number crunchers they are, accumulated that info and put it together in a story, as well as some charts. Yeah, it takes a lot of work, actually, to get these uh, stories together because... um, So in order to get the most recent statistics, you need to ask each individual department. Um, And so they all start getting it ready after the first of the year, but they often don't have it done right away. I think the only department that had it to us on day one this year was Hammond. Um, So we have to go through this process of asking each individual agency. I think there may have been more than 15 or 20 that we asked for data this year. and then we have to, you know, enter it all into our spreadsheets and make graphics and um, kind of think about it and then do interviews on top of that. So it just takes some time uh, to get it all together. The story itself can be found at nwi.com. But some interesting bits worth noting include that overall, even though some southern region municipalities like Crown Point, Hobart, and Valparaiso saw increases in violent crime from 2015 to 2016, their totals were lower than 10 years ago. East Chicago and Gary saw decreases in their violent crime. Places like Hammond, Munster, Cherville, Michigan City, and Laporte saw increases in violent crime both over a one-year and 10-year period. But officials say those increases are from small changes, not to be too concerned about. Sarah also wrote another story that took a deeper look into what departments in Northern Lake County, particularly in Hammond, East Chicago, and Gary, are doing to combat violent crimes like homicides and shootings. She notes that homicides are for the most part down. Hammond had eight, up from one in 2015, but less than the 10 from 2014. East Chicago had six, which has decreased over time from as many as 13 in 2011. And Gary saw 46, down from 50 in 2015. Shootings are another thing. East Chicago shootings decreased from 51 in 2015 to 40 last year. And Gary's shootings, in which at least one person was wounded, also decreased, going from 126 in 2015 to 118 last year. In these stories by Sarah and Lauren, the particular attention being given to Gary is noted. In the middle of 2015, the Lake County Gary Metro Homicide Unit was formed. It concentrates resources toward homicides in Lake County. Gary had 46 of Lake County's 71 homicides last year, so the unit devotes more attention and resources to the homicide cases and investigations, especially the first 48 hours, helping them close 13 cases last year. We tried to find out a bit more information from Officer Matthew Eaton of the Lake County Sheriff's Department, who oversees this unit, but he couldn't be reached for comment for this episode. The particular homicide unit, though, is working with another group, and it's called Gary for Life. It's more of an initiative. We try to steer away from saying program because programs have a beginning and an ending. This is something that we are doing that we're trying to truly change a culture in the city, so it's more than just a program. That's Joy Holiday, and she's the coordinator of Gary for Life. The initiative was started in 2014 by Gary's mayor, Karen Freeman Wilson. Joy took the place of a former coordinator for the initiative. 
It's modeled after NOLA for Life, which is in New Orleans, Louisiana. The initiative tries to reduce the gun violence in Gary, but it's not performed in a way of necessarily showing force. It's done in a peaceful, civil way. The idea being that crimes in a community are happening from a small percentage of people, particularly in Gary with gangs or, as Joy likes to refer to them, groups. So those that have identified or are affiliated with these groups and are on parole are compelled to come to a call-in meeting in which they are greeted by a number of city and community leaders. Even the mayor herself is often present. And it's a moment of intervention. And this meeting is to deliver a message to them, basically. And in this message is that we'll stop you if you make us, but we'll help you if you let us. So in doing that, we're offering them a two-pronged message. And we have different community members that are there. We have faith leaders that are there. We have individuals that are just there and concerned about their community. And we are all standing as one to say that the level of violence and the level of gun violence that we have in our community is no longer accepted. However, just as we focus in on that message, the mayor is just as committed to what can we do to help you? What can we do to assist you in order to make this an easier transition for you? So it's not that, you know, it's not that, it's a come to Jesus moment, yes. So after you hear from everyone, then you also hear from the community in. So you hear someone that's, that's what we consider the moral voice of the community. Um, and oftentimes as a faith leader in the community, basically giving them hope to say that you do have options. This is not the only option that you have to live your life in the manner in which you're living. It's a caring moment where group members are saying, we know who you are and what you're affiliated with, and you don't have to be about that life. And they're offered social services to help, too. And then literally I'm able to see a change. Um, but as they enter in the room, their defenses are up. And even as law enforcement, they're delivering their message, their defenses are still up. And I see a change in the room. So they've heard from, you know, someone giving them hope. They've heard from Goodwill saying, okay, well, these are the services that we have. I literally do not see a change in them until they hear um, a mother come to the front of the room and start to tell them what happens at the end of that gun. And literally everything falls apart on them. Now they start to hear, now they start to listen, now they get a chance to experience what some of the decisions that they're making, what actually happens, how a family is affected by the choices in which they make. And so we're really trying to hone in on this message to give them, you know, a roadmap to a different decision to making sure that they're able to turn their lives around and essentially making our community safer. The person leading the boots-on-the-ground efforts, so to speak, is Corporal Doug Drummond of the Gary Police Department. When we have our call-ins, I prepare the PowerPoint presentation. I self or hand-select the participants that are going to be coming to our call-ins um, by working with probation, parole, and the Kimbrough Center. And um, that's pretty much day-to-day since um, January. I moved into the new slot, which is the operational lead, formerly held by Lieutenant uh, Jack Hamity, who is now the commander of investigations. Um, as the operational lead, I'm responsible for setting up our, our team meetings, which we have bi-weekly. Basically, the day-to-day operations of coordinating all of our mag unit efforts with uh, everything else that we're doing with the strategic focus. Doug and others are also the ones identifying the group members in Gary through intelligence. Lauren noted in her article names that include the Glen Park Affiliated, Get Fresh Boys, the Fifth Avenue Boys, and more. Even on his end, they're implementing a caring strategy too. Um, one of the main things that we do is whenever we have a, a shooting or even a homicide, 
Um, the first thing we, we want to do is we want to reach out to the victim or their family, close family members, associates. And we go out into the community, we speak with them, and basically we bring them a message. And the message that we bring them is that the violence in our community will not be tolerated any longer. And that, um, you know, certain times, some of these individuals just don't even realize that that shooting and retaliation uh, to things like this are just not acceptable um, forms of, of behavior. So we'd much rather have uh, members, contributing members of our society than locking people up. We, re- we, we realized a long time ago, we can't arrest our way out of out of the violence that, that goes on nationwide. I mean, this, is, this isn't just Gary, this is all over. We, we've seen rises in shootings all over the country. And, and we just want individuals to know that the community cares about them, we care about them. We do all this because we really do care. It's not just a, a program that we're bringing in and it'll be gone in a year or two or the next administration. This really is a strategy that's going to be the way of policing moving forward, trying to prevent the violence. Like Doug noted, those with Gary for Life want to have productive members of their community. In these call-ins, group members are given options. They've been told the police know what they are or have been doing. They can come forward and provide information to stop these groups and violence, or if they choose not to, they are informed the police do have their eyes on them and will be concentrating resources on that group. One of the messages is, is that, and I think it was shared in the article as well, you know, if that group is responsible for the next homicide or either has been deemed the most violent group in Gary, then that is when they have drawn all the attention of all of our law enforcement partners to that group or to that individual. So those are the choices that you're making. If you choose to do what it is that we're asking you to stop doing, which is committing this violence, then unfortunately, yes, you are going to have the attention of everyone that is behind us, that is one of our federal partners, as well as our local partners here. That is a choice that you have made. You have now self-selected yourself. As Joy and Doug have both noted, these options are saying violence is not to be tolerated in Gary. It's a vision for the future of the city. We're not able to feature audio of these call-in meetings as Gary for Life wants to keep those that attend or may come forward anonymous for reasons of protecting them. But whenever these call-ins happen, everyone there probably is aware of the elephant in the room. They know the city can see its shadow. They want to make a change, coming deep from within a profound love for their city. They understand to make it prosperous, it has to address its security and its safety. To make Gary not something to be feared, but something to be embraced, strong and beautiful. Well, that's that's something that I've strived to envision my entire career is um, driving up and down the streets and seeing some of the abandoned homes and more of the abandoned businesses and things. I would love to see the city of Gary come back to be a thriving city like it once was. The good majority of the city are good people. They go to work, they pay their rent, they're, you know, community people. There's a very small group of individuals, and we estimate that number to be anywhere between three and 500 individuals that are responsible for the violence inside the city. And, and really, if you take it down to the, 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 the real violence um, shootings, that number is even smaller. So our focus is to, is, is to, to get those individuals off the street, rehabilitated, reformed, so that everyone else in the city, the rest of the population can go about, um, you know, just being good, positive community members. We are just like everyone else. 
You know, we have the same hopes and the same aspirations as anyone, whether you live in Munster, whether you live in Crown Point, whether you live in Maryville, we have those exact same hopes and aspirations. So I believe that just as my children, your children, if you don't have any, or future children, <laughs> that they feel just as safe in their community as any other community. So that is honestly my absolute hope, is that our children um, and our residents feel the exact same safety. Byline is a production of the Times of Northwest Indiana. Episodes come out every two weeks and can be found at nwy.com slash podcasts. Byline is also on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just type in NWI Byline in the search bar and we should pop up. If you've got a media player and want to download our episodes or listen on the go, Byline is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. We just kindly ask that you rate us and leave a review because it actually really helps. And we'd like to hear from you, whether that's constructive comments, feedback, or suggestions for topics you'd like to hear more about. You just drop an email to kale.wilk at nwi.com. Reporting for this week's episode came from Sarah Reese, Lauren Cross, and myself, Kale Wilk. We'd like to thank Joy Holiday and Doug Drummond for taking time to be interviewed for this episode. Credit for music production and mixing goes to the talented Dante Stewart. Finally, a big thanks goes to Summer Moore, the Times' digital and audience engagement editor, and Byline's creator. She's the lead on this team, and wherever it is that we go, I'm Kale Wilk, and from the Times of Northwest Indiana, thank you for listening. See you next time.